0: Yuck, yep, Shamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter, or as we call it, B5Q, for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion. Uh, we'll talk some more today. It's uh, We got a fun little question for everyone tonight, for basically just having some fun with it. Uh, what are you looking forward to most from Badgers football in 2016? We are just maybe three weeks away from me, Big Ten Media Days. We'll go through what you guys are looking forward to most. We'll read off some answers in just a few minutes uh, talking about that question. We already have almost a handful of responses. Appreciate all everyone that's been talking out there and uh, getting your opinions out there. We appreciate it. I'm Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski here. I mean, we're going to hit it right off the bat, though. We're talking some NBA free agency. Uh, you, Milwaukee Bucks obviously making some moves uh, in the early stages. And to t- help us talk about the big free agency signings and even some of the notes uh, with, uh, going on right now uh, with a couple of loge bombs from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from the vertical, we got Eric Name from Brew Hoop and, and ESPN Milwaukee. Eric, how are you doing this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? We are. Uh, We are doing good. We're
1: great. Yeah, we're great. We got a lot to cover, and and obviously, we're going to talk about Dwayne Wade, and we're going to talk about the Bucks, um, Kevin Durant, and then what the most impactful free agent signing has been other than Kevin Durant. But let's get right into the Durant thing first because it's a major story. Uh, Amazingly, though, it's not receiving the same coverage that the LeBron James decision uh, got a few years back, probably because. Kevin Durant didn't make a spectacle of it. But how surprised – I'll admit, I'm a little surprised. How surprised were you when you found out Durant is now a Golden State Warrior? I
2: was I was definitely surprised. I kind of thought they have a nice thing going in Oklahoma City, and he may try to keep that going. Um, but at the same time, when Woj is dropping bombs midseason, I think it was like February he first reported that, okay, the Warriors are pretty interested in Durant and are going after him. I kind of started to take it seriously then, but you just think of how painful it would be to blow a 3-1 lead against that Warriors team and then to go to that Warriors team. Uh, It it just seems like the competitor and you wouldn't want to do that. But, I mean, at some point, if you're tired of not winning Oklahoma City, you don't think the right veterans are getting signed, and you want to win a ring, well, go to the best team – Arguably one of the best teams of all time. So uh, I can't wait to watch the Warriors next year because it's going to be insane. But yeah, I was, I'm not going to say shocked, but definitely surprised.
1: Yeah. I I think, I think it was a surprise. I think it was, uh, I I don't, I'm not in the mindset of the people though. There's a lot of people, Charles Barkley being one, it's stuff like this ruins the NBA, but you know, for at least the last, Eight years, nine years, things like this have been going on. Everybody realizes you need a big three uh, most of the time. When Golden State was able to do it last year, not this year, last year without that true quote-unquote big three, but they certainly have it now. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, you talk about competitive balance, but this is no different than, you know, Uh, baseball teams who can spend money, you know, because there's no salary cap in baseball and going up and loading up and trying to get their best players. You can't, you certainly can't fault the team for doing it. You can't fault the player competitive or not for wanting to win a championship. Kevin Durant's young, but that window doesn't stay open forever. And you know, obviously if you're going to ever become legendary, you have to have a ring. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, LeBron James, uh, Kobe Bryant, if you want to be talked about in those circles you have to have a ring to do it i think he's looking at hey my best chance to do it right now is in golden state but it is going to be interesting and and obviously the the uh people are saying "Are, are there enough basketballs to go around it's going to be interesting how that team is managed because when you have superstars like that you're not necessarily a coach you're a manager and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out too I think one of the funny things, too, is the fact that people complain about it
2: and say, oh, man, I hate these super teams. Yet every ratings record pretty much got broken in Warriors games, and everyone was watching every Warriors game this year. I mean, I just remember covering the Warriors-Bucks game where the Bucks game them their first loss, and there was more media members there at that game than – I mean, even the Kobe game when he was here, it was insane how much coverage people wanted of that team, how interesting that team was to people, and how much they loved that team. And again, you can say, well, they weren't as good as the Bulls, whatever. But there were still talking points, there was still interest, and people loved to see that team. So as much as everyone wants to say, well, there's not parity like there is in NFL or these other teams don't have a chance, it doesn't seem to matter to people. They're interested. And I know I'm going to be interested. I'm going to try to watch as many of the games next year as possible because it's going to be awesome to watch those guys play basketball together. So I'm all in on it, and I think most of
1: everyone else is all in on it as well. Well, I need to you know watch real quick uh, before you jump in, Jake. I just want to say when the Bulls were a dynasty, when the Pistons were a dynasty, when the Celtics were a dynasty, people were into those teams and then we heard people moaning about there's no dynasties anymore. Well, now there's dynasties again. I <laughs> I, I think some people just like to complain, to complain. I, I, but you can't please everyone, right?
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I, I, my two cents. You gotta have a heel team. I love having a healed. Like people root against. That's how you get the rate. Like you mentioned, yeah. you guys mentioned. That's how you get the ratings. You have to. Ha- it's, it's it, Scotty and I have a little bit just to let you know to Eric we're, We have a wrestling background. Scotty's still doing the indie wrestling in and around the Milwaukee area and within the state. So, but you know, that you have a good heel faction draws in. So, Hey, the Miami heat years past heel. Yeah. We're, you know, they're the dynasty. Everyone wants to beat them. LeBron's the villain. Golden State now they want the villain. That's that's where you get that peak. You get this like you get people to root against them. That's where the ratings come in. You have an underdog or you have some this uh, uh, just uh, uh, you know one on one like equal matchup to see who's the best. That's what I'm really you know that's what you want that, in my opinion. I, I enjoy that greatly. I feel like
2: we need Warriors PR to have just NWO music going during all their war. <laughs> That's what they come out to, and they just completely embrace it. They do the black and white cut-ins like that. Should be the intro video next season. Yes, yes,
1: yeah. I, I I love that. <laughs> uh, so let let's shift gears a little bit because I was hoping that we were gonna talk a little bit about where is Dwayne Wade gonna go. Uh, looks like I'm hearing Chicago, and obviously you guys seem to have confirmed that. Um, first, from a Bucs standpoint, would the Bucks have had a better shot had they been able to shed the Monroe contract? And two, what kind of fit is he for Chicago? Uh, again, Chicago's a team that I don't think knows what they want. They let Noah go, Gasol leaves. Uh, Derek Rose is gone, but then they go make a splash with D. Wade. But as far as I'm concerned, there's still a team that's middle of the pack at best, what people like to refer to as NBA hell. Not good enough to win a championship, not bad enough to get a lottery pick. So how do you see this signing? And then and with the Bucs, do you think that the, the, whole, uh, the whole equation just didn't work out because they couldn't shed Monroe's money? Yeah, I guess starting with
2: the Bucks. I never completely understood the Wade, uh, I guess, intrigue from the team's perspective. From fan's perspective, I obviously get it. Dwayne Wade, super-duper star. He's everywhere. He was at Marquette. He's from Chicago. Everything added up for from a fan's perspective. So I'm not going to say fans would have been excited about it because Dwayne Wade's awesome. So I, I'm completely down with that. But from a team perspective, it never really made a ton of sense to me just because – I don't really know how you put together a roster with him on it, or I guess really a starting lineup, because maybe he has to try to play point or defend point guards. I know they say Giannis can be the point guard this year, so all of a sudden he's defending point guards and that's not good for a guy as old as Wade. And all of a sudden there's not as much shooting on the floor and maybe there's some struggle with who gets more touches, Giannis or does Wade get some, and then you have to factor in Middleton and Jabari trying to, to still get bigger roles. So it never made a ton of sense for me from a Bucks perspective. And then I guess, as you mentioned, they were going to have to make some major moves as moving Monroe. And obviously the market isn't great for him. And I, I think if it would have come down to it and if he goes into that meeting today and Mark Lazary says, all right, if you're down from Milwaukee, we'll do whatever we need to do to get this done. I think the Bucs would have definitely sent off Monroe for peanuts and said, all right, that's it's all good. Come on, Dwayne. We'll put you on the team. But, I just never really got the, I, I get. I, I just never understood that that was ever going to happen. I never thought that that was going to happen. And uh, I, I guess it was kind of confirmed that really the Bulls and the Nuggets were the, the true players for Wade.
0: And when you have, just with, with I guess with, Wade, I, I kind of I know that's what a lot of people have talked about with with just the fit in Milwaukee and whatnot. I know there's that leadership maybe with being there and winning the championships. Um, but what I guess maybe you know now they're pivoting away from Wade. Uh, what are they looking for right now? Kind of digging into the the Bucks now with with Eric Name from Brew Hoop here on the Kobasa King Sports Extravaganza. You have, you know, Monroe, Greg Monroe's contract, and, and I know there's been talks, obviously, about moving him because maybe he's not necessarily fit in what the scheme of what Jason Kidd and the Bucks want to do now. But what what are the next steps for the Bucks? And we'll get into the free agent signings late, you know, uh, later. But just where, where where do you see the Bucks going right now in terms of maybe unloading Monroe if they can, or just even the rest of the free agent market? Yeah, I
2: think, obviously, unloading Monroe would be kind of their biggest move left to make, the biggest domino to fall. But, again, I, I kind of said it during the season on some of our Who podcasts, and I've written about it and tweeted about it. But part of me does remain curious what the market is for Monroe. And if there isn't a market, how – how little the Bucks would will be willing to accept for him. Because you have to remember that this was a huge signing for ownership. That was a major win that their, their first off or their full, full off season, they went out and got the, one of the biggest fish in the sea. They went out and they signed Greg Monroe. So for, for that ownership group, that was a huge victory. And that, that's something that they can hang their hat on that. Hey, we can go into a room. We can, we're going to beat out LA. We're going to beat out New York. We're going to beat out anybody for free agents. This is We're here. And this is us telling you that we are going to be here for a long time and you're going to have to deal with us. So for me to think about it, just thinking about an ego, just how you perceive yourself, you're not going to give that guy away for nothing because that, that guy means something to you. And it may not be completely logical. And you would think, hey, you got to get rid of this guy no matter what, even if it's even if it's an early second rounder, even if it's a late first rounder, you need to get rid of Greg Monroe. But at the same time, there, there is some ego involved there where this was your guy and you, you want to see it work out. And even though you know he's got that player option after this year and he's probably not going to come back after that, you almost – don't want to give up on it and kind of admit defeat. It just doesn't seem like something that this ownership group is willing to do. So it'll be very interesting to see what that market is for Monroe, uh, because there's a lot of teams out there that maybe needed centers, but there was also a lot of centers on the market. So I think that the market for Monroe is dwindling a little bit right now. So it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks with Bucks.
1: Let me ask you this about Monroe. Um, so, I mean, you hear Bucks fans, and obviously, you know, it's sports talk fans, and, you know, you take that with a grain of salt coming from a sports radio background like me, but that want to lay the blame that this team took a step backwards because of Greg Monroe. First and foremost, on my soapbox, it's because of, of uh, not having a point guard. I mean, after they made the Brandon Knight trade and they brought in Carter Williams, look at what their record was to end that season, even though they made the playoffs. And then look at how they played last year. I don't think you can lay it at the feet of Greg Monroe. However, they knew they were getting a guy who was an offensive center who played very little defense. They shouldn't be surprised by this. So it makes people who are sitting on the peripheral like me wonder, is there more to the story? Is there more reason people are upset in the organization or are looking to trade him or him and Jason Kidd didn't seem to gel? Is there more to it than just the fact that he didn't play defense? Because you knew that when you signed him that he wasn't going to play defense. There have been rumors about issues with him and, and Middleton and him and other players on the team. But there's got to be more to the story because you can't be that blindsided by the fact that he's not a defensive presence.
2: Yeah, I thought the big thing was that the year before you had Zaza Patrulli in there. And Zaza Pachulia isn't a rim protector. He's not athletic. He's not really anything special athletically on the defensive side of the ball and and you see him night in night out and he was the backbone of that Bucks defense so I, I think a lot of it was that they talked themselves into hey Zaza was the backbone of this defense he's not anything special we can get at least 75 percent out of, of that out of Greg and, and Greg is, again, he's a big dude like Zaza. He can kind of move his feet off. Offensively, he's got good footwork, so maybe defensively we can help him figure these, these things out and get that done. So I think they thought that that was a, was a possibility and maybe even likely that Greg Monroe could kind of be Zaza Pachulia on the backside. But also I thought a big thing was that you replace most of Jared Dudley's minutes and Ersanio De Silva's minutes, that's, that's two power forwards that understand NBA defenses, have been around for a long time, know how to talk, know how to move. Just Essentially, they know how to play NBA defense, and you replace all, almost all those minutes with Jabari Parker, and Jabari Parker is just completely lost defensively at this point in his career. So not only do you have a bad defender at the center position – you have a bad defender at the power forward position for about 75% of, of all games. So it, it's just so tough to create an NBA defense when you have two guys on the back line that just, just can't handle it defensively. Uh, so, so I thought that was a big part of it, that they thought they were going to get, they could get Zaza out of them, but they couldn't. And then you add Jabari to that. And that, that really just messed it up. And, and I would, I would assume if you talk to most of the organization, they're going to be happy with what they got out of Greg offensively. He pretty much put up his career averages like 16 and 9, 16 and 10, somewhere around there, and was just about as efficient as he always was during a couple of assists. I would assume what they got offensively is pretty much what they were expecting, and they, I'm sure they were happy with what they got offensively. I just think – Defensively, they didn't necessarily get what they thought they could get. Not that it was anything different than Greg Monroe has always done. He's always been bad defensively, but I think they thought they, they hoped that he could kind of try to grow a little bit defensively, and he just
1: didn't have it. Okay, so let's let's peel off a little bit more of the onion. I wasn't going to go here yet, but I'm sorry if I'm taking up too much time. But there's a lot, lot to cover here. So now you talk about the draft. The, the the drafting of Maker, a guy who might be able to block shots, I, again, there's a lot of unknown with him, but does, when you talk about the, the defensive issues they had with Monroe and how you maybe try to cover some of that up so that Jabari's not exposed, is that why the Maker pick happened? Was there something else you thought they were going to do? Was there a better defensive center... At that part of the draft, they could have went with. Uh, so I guess it's a two-part question. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on the pick, and, and is some of this to, to help out defensively more than anything?
2: Originally, when I heard the pick, I was surprised. Um, I, I didn't really think Maker was their guy at ten. I thought maybe at thirty six that would be a guy that they looked at. It seemed like they like him. Yeah. They liked him quite a bit in in that workout they had. Um so I thought maybe at thirty six at ten it was a surprise. Um personally you mentioned guys that I liked. I like Deontay Davis, but then again Deontay Davis fell to thirty one, so what do I know? Um but that draft was just seemingly very wide open and really anybody that was making picks was just picking their guy. If they thought they had their guy, it didn't seem like anyone could trade down. So if the Bucks thought Don Maker was their guy, they were going to take him. There were some other crazy picks. Papa Giannis goes in, like I think he goes like 14. That, that whole first round was just kind of insanity. So I think teams found the guys that they liked, and like you kind of mentioned, maybe Maker is a guy that they think fits in defensively a little bit better. He is. Obviously quite long, seven foot one. He's got that huge wingspan. Obviously he's pretty athletic, or at least from what we've seen. Again, we don't have a ton of footage of him in games, but he does appear to be quite athletic and he does appear to be able to block shots. So I think a lot of people with the maker pick focus on his ceiling and think, Oh man, you got a seven-footer who can shoot the three, he can dribble, he can pass, he can do all these things. But I think the more exciting part of Maker is the floor, where he's seven-foot-one, he's going to block shots. He's at, He's at, I, We don't know how athletic, but he's athletic enough that he can run the floor and probably get some dunks. So no matter what, even if in the first half of the season he, he struggles with the physicality, he can't handle it, and he doesn't get a ton of minutes, in that second half of the season I think you can see a guy that – Will find minutes off the bench, maybe 15 to 20 a night, where he's going to bring a lot of energy, he's going to protect the rim, and um, offensively, hopefully, he can catch a lob or two, or he can throw down a couple dunks. And, and I think those are very useful skills. And, and I, like I said, I think a lot of people get enamored with all of the crazy potential he could have when what he could be at the very floor is quite exciting as well.
0: We're here with Eric Name from BrewHoop.com, ESPN Milwaukee. Check him out on Twitter just so that you guys know we're going to spell this out for you. Uh, it's not Kokorowski like our last name, so it'll be nice and quick. It's uh, E-R-I-C underscore N-E-H-M for Eric Name from BrewHoop and ESPN Milwaukee uh, as well as uh, Milwaukee Magazine. And uh, with with that, Eric, it's what's the biggest
2: non-Durant
0: move in free agency in your opinion?
2: Oh wow, that's a that's a tough one. But I, I would have to say Horford to the Celtics. That that's just a very interesting kind of switching of the balance of power in the Eastern Conference. I don't necessarily know if that makes the Celtics an elite team, but there's certainly quite a bit more interesting now with him there. And then again, I don't know what that makes the Hawks now. Are the Hawks now not quite as good? I mean, they add Dwight Howard, but is Dwight Howard and Millsap the same as Horford and Millsap? So I I thought that one was was very interesting and really kind of like the Durant move that shifted the Western Conference. I thought that shifted the Eastern Conference.
1: You know, real quick, one last question. Uh, so you look around the East, and I, I'm a little concerned. Uh, the Knicks got better, Indiana got better, Boston got better. The Bucks signed DelaDova. Uh, the Bucks make a, 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 a draft, a surprise draft, and maker. In your estimation, looking at the landscape of the East, and I know it's going to change a bit because there'll be some more signings here. But what are the keys early on, and, and I'll re-ask you this question in November and I'll re-ask it again in January, but what needs to happen for the Bucks to be a, a playoff team? And I mean like a six or 7th seed, not a team that just squeaks in. What do they need to improve on from last year, especially in an Eastern Conference that's getting better?
2: That, I think that's pretty simple. And it, it's not going to sound simple, but I think it's simple. I think it's internal development. And this sounds like I'm talking about the Packers, but it's internal development of Giannis Jabari, and Chris Middleton. The Bucks, I really thought that we were going to see the Bucks try to make a splash and move here in free agency, and they really didn't. They went with a a couple safe options, and obviously they swung for the the fences on their pick, but that pick's going to take a little while. He's going to take a little while to develop. So, again, the Bucks are counting on that core three to continue to get better, to continue to make a leap, and really, if but if they're going to be a playoff team this year, it's because all the good things we saw from Giannis and Jabari and Chris Middleton after the all-star break last year are real. And they're going to start to contribute to winning basketball. Cause there's always a point in young players career where all of a sudden the stats they're putting up are no longer empty and those stats mean something and those stats help the team win games. And, and for, from my perspective, the way I look at this team, I think ownership is completely all in on those three and we're going to improve as those three improve. And if we're going to make a leap, it's going to be because of those three. So that's the short answer. Obviously I think there's a lot of bigger stuff in there. Defensively, they just need to get better. They were terrible last season and it just needs to be better. You, You can't be a playoff team if you're a bottom 10 defense and they need to start shooting the three more. And I think both those, uh, signings that they got in free agency kind of address that, that they do need to shoot the three more and they do need to look more like a modern NBA basketball team because last year they simply didn't. They were dead last in three-point attempts, and obviously the game's evolving and teams are focusing more on hitting threes, and the Bucks just didn't do that last season. So I, I think, again, internal development and then specifically on the court, better defense, more threes, and that would be the way that they can improve and try to be a playoff
0: team this year. And just this just in, by the way, uh, just looking at Twitter right now, the live feed. Mark Stein from ESPN uh, mentioned the uh, Milwaukee's and Hop's pursuit of Mike Dunleavy via trade because the Bulls do have to make some cap room for Wade. Uh, I believe Sedano from, uh, from ESPN also mentioned that I think it's two years, 47 million uh, for Wade. So they have, they're, they're trying to uh, get uh, to unload some contracts with Jose Calderon and then Mike Dunleavy. Uh, looks like Bucks are trying to get back the former Buck, uh, which uh, should be interesting. It's a it's a lot of fun, Eric. I, I do. I was wondering if you're going to say the the, the biggest non Durant free agency pickup would have been you know former badger john luer going to the detroit pistons being a wisconsin centric uh wisconsin badger centric uh podcast but i can understand why you'd say al horford to be honest with you but uh that's a
2: good one yeah. uh i i'm very happy for john and honestly he was a guy that over at brew hoop we tabbed before pre-agency as a guy that maybe the bucks could get a little bit of a bargain on maybe instead of Taladovich, who they did end up signing, maybe they go after Lure, who I think brings a lot of the same things to the table. Uh, But there was no deal to be had. Uh, 42 million (laughs) for
0: John
1: Lure. There, There was no deal to be had there.
2: Yeah. no yeah. Hey, real
1: quick, real quick before we we wrap up, real, uh, do you see the? I look at the Bucks and the way the roster is constructed, and you hit it right on the head with their poor three point shooting and lack of three point shooting. Is there one more signing there that might not be a glamorous signing, but somebody who can knock down a three? I, I know, bad example, but Steve Novak, for example, uh, somebody like that that you know is just a sharp shooter. Uh, is there anything like that on the horizon in your mind?
2: Well, I think Novak will probably be the 15th man on this team. I would assume he gets signed to the veteran minimum. Uh, they keep showing pictures of him at different Bucks events, and I think they tweeted out a picture of him working out today. So I assume that he'll be the 15th man. But, again, 15th man, that doesn't help a lot. Dunleavy would make a lot of sense that the Bulls really are giving him away. Um, but, again, you look at Sledovich, he shot almost six threes per game. You look at Delvadova, he shot three threes per game. Uh, so I think what they're doing is – those bench spots are slowly transitioning into guys that shoot threes. Um, And that's really what you need on the margins. If, your main guys like Giannis and Javari, if those guys aren't going to be jacking up a ton of threes, the rest of your roster all has to shoot and shoot some threes uh, to, to lift that average up. Um, a guy I've always liked is Ian Clark. He played for the uh, Golden State Warriors this season, came off the bench for them, had a couple good games in the playoffs. He's someone that's going to be cheap. They don't have a ton of money left, so they can't really go out and sign a big name to help out with the shooting. But li- like I said, Dunleavy would make a lot of sense. Ian Clark's been my guy for most of free agency. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised If the last guy that they signed to that roster, uh, Novak being one, would get them to 14, that 15th guy that they do sign, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a shooter.
0: Eric, it's been great talking with you. Would love to have you back on the show down the road, especially with uh, everything going on with uh, coming up, training camps and and season previews. Uh, Thanks again for stopping back on the show.
2: Absolutely. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Guys, it's Eric Dame from Brewhoop.com, Milwaukee Magazine, ESPN Milwaukee. What we're gonna do, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna pop back on, talk a little bit more about some uh, our question of the day about the Badgers, uh, and then for there we'll uh, talk some Brewers and take it home from there. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Everybody, welcome back! Kielbasa King Sports extravagance, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Big thanks to our friend Eric Name from brewhoop.com, from ESPN uh, from uh, ESPN Milwaukee and Milwaukee Magazine. Make sure you guys follow him. Like I said, at Eric Name it's at at E R I C underscore N E H M. Great talking with him.
1: He was great. Yeah, that.
0: Really? Yeah, great. no, he's great. Really and those guys at Brewhoop, you know, every uh, Frank, Aaron. Uh, Dan, we've had Dan on the show before. I think we've had Frank on the show. Just really knowledgeable guys and and great to see another SB our SB nation cousins over uh, at brew hoop, really getting a lot of love. And and, and thank you guys as well for, for making, uh, listening to us as well as uh, being a proud part of SB nation. You guys checking out Bucky's fifth quarter. We got some position previews coming up for Wisconsin football season, just around the corner, big 10 media days, literally only, I would, you know, three weeks away—it's insane. I am really excited about that. Uh, and with that, we had, you know, one of our questions uh, that we had for today, and that's pretty, pretty easy uh, in terms of what what we're asking about this. Honestly, uh, what are you looking forward to most from Badgers football for the 2016 season? And and with that, just uh, going through some notes, we're going to start off at the beginning. Uh, and a lot of people actually responded back. Appreciate you guys on that because it's, it's one of those things that we have a lot of fun and we want to really kind of, you guys saw on our Facebook live feed on our Facebook page that uh, the night of the new red threads, we had over a thousand views pretty much for every single video, maybe except for one that we posted. Uh, and thank you guys for making uh for, for taking part in that. Uh, but just start off like Brian Manabek uh, at Brian Manny uh, says, he wants the running game getting back to the way the or and consistency from the quarterback, whoever it is. Uh, we also have from that, uh, from at R O uh, Riyad, R I O D underscore M mentions an O line that is talented, punishes the opponent's D into submission and allows second half scoring. That's, that, you know, I, I think there's going really be a common core with the running game coming back, Scotty, back to form with with a more experienced offensive line. Uh, to see how that, yeah, you know, how they improve, the record may not show it, especially when you have such a, a daunting schedule ahead of them. Uh, but you really, uh, that running game should be back up with a healthy Clement, a one-two punch with Ogumboale, and then a, a rebuild offensive line. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, one of our writers, uh, Andrew Rosin. Uh, at the GNC <laughs> with a hint of a joke in terms of what he's looking forward to most quote unquote, well, actually I miss Joel, Joel Stave. Uh, of course, an allusion to the, uh, the polarizing former walk on and winning this quarterback in Wisconsin history. Uh, I think, uh, I think history, I've told people this many times that history is going to shine nicely upon Joel and all that he did for the program there. So you know, what we'll do, we'll get to the rest of these uh, by the end of the show. Uh, we got a couple of people like Luke Miller, uh, one of our – actually, no, he might be the only one. Like, yeah, yeah, we got Luke here. He says, for us, hot takes, but also how quickly overly quickly uh, and overly optimistic Badger fans are and that they'll come down to earth in the first six games. He loves UW, but he believes 9-4 and four is the best case. Uh, for the Wisconsin Badgers in the 2016 football season. And Scotty, before we pivot to the Milwaukee Brewers and, and talk about uh, just that fun baseball stat we were talking about before uh, coming back live on air here on Block Talk Radio, uh, what are you looking forward to most in, in the 2016 season for the Wisconsin Badgers football team?
1: Um, I want to see how the defense is able to sustain the coaching change there and See if they're able to win uh, more than eight games. I mean, it's a tough schedule. And what's ironic is they could be a much better team than they were last year and, as you said, not reflected in the record just because of how tough that schedule is. So can they get to eight wins, and can that defense sustain even without Aranda there?
0: That's that's really good points. And I think a lot of people, I think they're going to point to the running game. I think the defense are two solid uh, are too solid points for a lot, you know. Uh, and, and just before we even get, I'll get to my answer real quick. But just as an FYI, Mark Stein from ESPN is noting, you know, Milwaukee's in pursuit of Mike Dunleavy. But then Brian Windhorst from ESPN is now saying that the Cap- Cleveland Cavaliers are in pursuit of former Milwaukee Buck Mike Dunleavy uh, as well. So we'll see who uh, wins that out uh, in terms of getting that 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 shooting that shooter that uh, definitely the Bucks really need. Uh, but it, with going back to uh, the Badgers and, and what to look forward to, in my opinion, honestly, uh, one thing I think I'm looking to most, you know, is that I mean, the running game obviously is huge. Uh, I'm looking for a couple of breakthrough guys. I think that I think I'm excited to see really what I'm looking forward to most is one seeing how TJ Watt, who's going to be in his second full year as an outside linebacker, how he does uh, now going to be in that, you know, he has that ability. During spring practice and even the latter part of last year, getting in these sub packages, these blitzing formations, where he even lined up as a nose guard, I'm really intrigued to see what he does this season opposite. Uh, Vince Beagle, I think that uh, as good as that linebacking core was last year, uh, they, they're subtracting an All-American and Joe Schober, but they may actually even be better as a position group because of the fact that you have two maturing, three maturing inside linebackers in Jack Sitchy, Chris Orr, and TJ Edwards, all who were starting for the first time at that position. But then you, you have an athletic guy in Watt plus the leader in Beagle. I mean, they could be even better than last year. And, and the past two years, that linebacking core has been completely solid. So I'll, I'll go on that line in terms of who I'm, what I'm looking forward to most of that 2016 season is seeing how Watt progresses and how much of a real impact player he could become, especially opposite that, that all big 10 candidate, that possible all American kind of candidate in Vince Beagle. Uh, but, you know, let's transition. We'll, we'll talk some more, uh, some more badgers at the end with some watch lists. Cause you have, well, you know, you have Corey Clement, you have Vince Beagle, you have uh, Michael Dieter. Uh, they've all uh, earned watch lists. We'll get back to that in just a little bit, but you know, Scotty, you're talking about baseball Brewers lose today to the Washington Nationals. Do not complete the sweep uh, against the, uh, against the Nationals in DC in and in a muggy afternoon. I was listening today on the radio, I think it was seven, four and Matt Garza got hit around uh, quite a bit early on, but uh let you me know what are your thoughts on that road trip uh, for for the Brewers. Obviously, you you and I were having a beer, listening to the Nationals or not the Nationals, the Cardinals and the Brewers, and the Brewers uh, wasting their lead on Sunday. Uh, but you know, get talk to us about your thoughts of, of of the road trip, and then also that fun baseball stat you're referencing.
1: Well, well, it was a bad road trip because they got swept by the Cardinals, and they just can't beat that team. And I don't care that, that the Cardinals aren't the best team in the division. It's still a benchmark for them. They, you know, forget about trying to be the Cubs yet because they're ways away from that. But They have to start beating the Cardinals for them to even start taking the next step to improvement. They get the Cardinals again this weekend. We'll see what those results look like. So here's something interesting. So Jonathan Luke is an all-star. Ryan Braun has got a chance to be an all-star. He's in the final five voting. I think he deserves to be one. But there's, of course, all the complaining about what a cheater he was. You know, he used PEDs. And I said that it was terrible that he did it, but he's certainly not the only one. And I'm going to give you a stat that proves my point. So from 2001 through 2014, um, only twice did more than six players hit 40 home runs in a season. Okay. Including last year where there were nine. In the last 6 years combined, there've only been 22 players to hit 40 home runs in a season. This year, there are 22 on pace to hit 40 home runs. So, I don't know that I could that I can say this 100%, but I know what, you know, the whole thing is if it looks like a duck and it smells like a duck, PEDs are back, my friend. PEDs are back. Better and stronger than ever because they found one that they're able to not detect because you can't tell me that pitching got terrible from last year to this year that the home run ball is up as much as it's been. Like I said, there are 22 players right now that have a mathematical chance, probability, of hitting 40 home runs this year. So for everybody who's still mad at Ryan Braun because he's such a cheater, um, and and more so not not I'm, This isn't a bash on the fans It's a bash on some of the major leaguers Who ran their mouths Meanwhile they knew in their own clubhouse That there were people using PEDs But they thought it was a good time To publicly lash And, 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 and spite and, and, and throw shade on Ryan Braun The bottom line is You can't tell me that that stat I just gave you isn't a clear indication That PEDs are back And better than ever yeah, uh, it's uh,
0: we'll see how uh, we'll see what scandal comes of it next. Apparently, uh, but I mean, it's just it's
1: it's amazing that 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 it it jumped up so much from one year to the next. Like obviously, there's a new designer HGH or something that everybody's using that's not getting detected. Minor leaguers are still getting busted. D Gordon uh, got busted, so there's still players getting caught. But obviously, the ones getting caught must be using bad stuff or aren't the most intelligent players. Because, again, you cannot tell me – I mean, Chris Davis is one of the guys who's on pace to hit 40. Maybe that's not a huge surprise, but there's some other guys. Mark Trumbull's on pace to hit 50. There's just other guys that you look in in, in that group of players and you go, hmm, Chris Bryant? Well, maybe Chris Bryant's just that good. I mean, he was highly touted. So I'm not saying – Chris Davis is another one. He's been hitting 40-plus home runs the last five, six years. Okay, but when you look at some of those other names and some of the other guys who are hitting those types of home runs, I'm telling you, the game, uh, the the stuff that that hurt the game, I think is back. And uh, baseball better uh, keep an eye on it and figure it out. So that was my fun-filled baseball stat. (laughs) On that note, uh, anything else
0: that's uh, really uh, up in the air for you coming up? Uh, Anything, I mean, quick hitters? I know it's a bad road trip for the for the Brewers. Uh, you also, um, I mean, you, right now I know Ryan. Br- well, Jonathan Lucroy obviously uh, in his all another All Star appearance. Congratulations to Jonathan Lucroy. Ryan Braun's in that final vote. Which as of uh, an update that was sent out earlier today by Major League Baseball, Ryan Braun is still fifth out of five uh, for that mm-hmm. for that last spot on the All Star team. Um, anything else that's popping out to you?
1: No, I I think that guys like Johnson, VR, and and Jeffers could have made a case for being an all-star, but you're not going to put three or four all-stars on a team that's 10 under, especially when six Cubs get voted in. You know what? Let me just go on a soapbox for a minute. I've read all day about people saying, you know, so-and-so got snubbed, and they need to do away with this whole every team should have a representative because there's no reason why player X should be on this team or player-wide, because the game means something now. You know what, Jake? If the game meant something, like they say, they take the voting out of the fans' hands. Do you realize that last year, Omar Infante was within a whisker of being the starting second baseman for the American League? Omar Infante, who was hitting two twenty, because the Kansas City Royals fans were stuffing the ballot box. If you really want... So, so all these writers out there and all these baseball pundits. Spare me the indignance of the Minnesota Twins having to have a, an all-star or the Philadelphia Phillies having to have an all-star and, and quit using the guys. Well, the game means something now. So if it meant something, uh, Addison Russell wouldn't be your starting shortstop. Uh, like I said, Omar Infante wouldn't be. You know, Eric Hosmer is a good player, but is he the best first baseman in the American League? For crying out loud, stop with the whole, oh, whining, who gets snubbed? Everybody gets snubbed. They, they expanded the rosters almost a decade ago. And it's, but they're still, they went from, say, 25 to 35. Well, the 36-man still got snubbed. They'll always be snubbed. Get over it. Always be one guy who just misses the cut. Just like in college, there's always one guy who just misses the honor roll. He goes, oh, like the next best guy? Get over it. There's a cutoff. There's a cutoff for a reason. There's always going to be snubbed, whether it's the NBA or the Pro Bowl or Major League Baseball Star game. It happens everybody thinks they're deserving and especially when you're the last guy to miss the cut. Yeah, we get it. But again, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about, well, you know, the game would be better if the Phillies didn't have to have a representative. Shut up. I'm so sick of hearing that tired, tired argument every year.
0: But uh, on that note, guys, we got about uh, 15 or five seconds for the live stream. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be jumping back on to the the podcast part of it. You'll be hearing the rest of this now on uh, the Kielbasa Kings sports extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. We don't have too much left uh, on that note. Uh, just a couple of quick odds and ends for the Badgers. Like I mentioned earlier, Corey Clement, named to the 2016 Maxwell Award watch list, which is given to the uh, best player, I believe it's the best player in college football. You have Vince Beagle, who is the Bednar- Bed- Bednarik watch list, which is given to the best uh making sure on this, I believe is the uh, most outstanding uh, defensive player in, in college football. And then you have Mike Dieter, the Remington award winner for the, uh, <laughs> for the Badgers there too, uh, it was just announced earlier today. So there's, there's some great, uh, I mean, Badgers obviously on some watch lists. It's, it's still quite early. You're in July, but so this is what happens there. But yeah, uh, Maxwell awards bestowed upon the nation's top player, and Med- Nar record board is presented to college Fall's most outstanding defensive player. So congrats to those guys. And then also Michael Dieter, Remington Trophy watch list. And uh, you're looking at, it gives the nation's most outstanding center. Just one of 12 underclassmen to be named to that watch list. And one of eight Big Ten players to earn that preseason recognition, which that should be interesting for Dieter because Dan Volt is coming back from his injury. Um, makes you wonder. I mean, it's been noted too uh, by, uh, I believe it was, if no, I'm not mistaken, Jeff Petriquis from the Milwaukee Journal Center noting how uh, Volts was willing to actually go to uh, guard from center because Dieter is at looking that impressive. So we'll see how that plays out uh, for there. Uh, anything else you want to touch upon uh, before we take it home, brother?
1: No, no. I'm. Uh, I think I got all of my my pets up thored uh, topics out of the way from the, like I said, the PED stuff to the complaining about these stupid all-star rosters every year. It's like, whatever. Great Bucks discussion. I'm um, looking forward to see how free agency continues to play out here for the next couple of weeks. Soon we'll be talking Badgers and Packers every week. So um, yeah. it's getting to be that time of the year.
0: I think maybe start next week. Hopefully guys, we'll get some,
1: re we will
0: jump back into football uh, we will reintegrate the football discussions with we have previews coming up we'll be talking uh, maybe we'll the next few weeks we will be breaking down actually offense the defense uh, on different podcasts and kind of go from there and uh, we have tons of uh, great Wisconsin Badgers media folk we have tons of great uh, uh, Green Bay Packers guys that uh, some beat writers that are just uh, really great that we've talked to and uh, yeah we'll have some fun there, other than that, you guys have a great week. Uh, if you guys are in the Wisconsin area, stay safe tomorrow with some uh, possibilities of some severe weather. I know we had some trees knocked down in our area uh, and some power lost uh, not in our household but uh, around the Madison area. so uh this guys stay safe. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski, we got Jay Kokorowski. thank you guys so much. Follow us on Twitter at B Five Q, at Kielbasa Kings WI. Uh, and those of Virginia, my friends. We will talk to you next week.
2: Accordion solo, American Folker, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs>